This podcast is part of the No Phony Podcast Network, the home of independent awesomeness. Was the 1980s the best decade for Iron Mike Tyson? Cover your ears, step into the ring, let's find out. Once again, it's time for the idiots. An objective defense of the 80s. From a couple of idiots. Welcome back to another episode of The Idiots, an objective defense of 1980s pop culture from a couple of idiots. My name is Will, and joining me as always is my friend and my co-host, Ray. Are you ready for another spectacular episode of the podcast? Wow, I just now got concerned. This is a hype we have to live up to. Well, when don't we? But we can do it. Yeah. Uh, And so today we're going to be talking about uh, heavyweight boxing champion Mike Tyson. But before that... Uh, let's get caught up on 80s news. So uh, it's, it's sort of an 80s tangent, but I think what we should do first, 80s news related, is, is tease the fact that we, are, we this week are appearing on another podcast that is 80s related, The Dueling Decades. Yeah, we went on there and we did battle in the Thunderdome, smashing heads like we talked about with right. big hammers, watermelon style. Right. And um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to when they release that thing so we can watch it back. And- but by the time you're hearing this, you can also hear that. So if you haven't already, after you're done listening here, shoot over to Dueling Decades and listen to Ray and I go head-to-head protecting the 80s against our hosts who defend the 1990s. Yeah, they gave us some categories, and we each came up with a bunch of things to talk about, and then the judge um, decided who wins. Yeah, so, so, so yeah. listen and find out whether we won or whether we were robbed. Because there was cheating involved. Yeah, I think I saw money slide across the table at a few different points. Something, but. if not money, something. Okay, <laughs> so in other 80s news, uh, a couple things I wanted to share with you. So first, a brief update on, we talked about uh, just a couple episodes ago, how Sam Raimi teased that there were there was uh, more Evil Dead to come. And we don't know still yet whether that means it's a continuation of his Evil Dead films or his uh, Evil Dead TV show or the Evil Dead reboot we had. But we do know, courtesy of Bruce Campbell, uh, that Sam Raimi has already hand-chosen, as Bruce Campbell says, a director for the movie. We don't know who that is, though. Well, that's cool. And the other thing, unlike, you know, again, hey, still like you said, maybe if they slide enough cash across the table, uh, Mr. Campbell will appear in it. But he did say, quote, it's okay to pass it along to another idiot to try and stop evil from destroying the world. One idiot, one idiot tried. He did pretty good. It's time to let other innocent people with no skills try to save the world. You know what? It just dawned on me. Yep. His two sidekicks from the TV show. Yeah. What if they're the ones that are going to be in the new movie? I would be fine with that. I, that would be awesome. Yeah, they were great. I liked them a lot. Yeah. What if that's the idiot that they're going to have do it? <laughs> they were kind Well, yeah. The one guy was definitely yeah. an idiot. I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, yeah, but either. that would be an enjoyable thing. Yeah. She so. seemed to have more skills and have... I wish I could remember the character's name. It's been a it's, while. It, yeah, I haven't watched that in quite a while. What is that, like last year or a year and a half ago or something? But, At least, yeah. Uh, what was it, Miguel? Yeah, something Mi- like yeah. that. I hope it was Miguel, because if not, that seems borderline racist at this point, because <laughs> he was definitely a Latin character, a Latino. was, but... Okay. Uh, but he was always calling him El Jefe, the whole show. Uh, That's right, yeah. Uh, but he was awesome. I, I hope he's the one they picked, so... Yeah, and, and if not, they do heap a big enough pile of cash on the table to uh, slide over, as well, you say. And, and that's why I think that if you have them do it, 
then the yep. cash slide makes it even easier because he worked with them on the show. Yeah. So he might come back. Yeah. Or even Lee Majors says his dad might come back. Maybe he's the one going to take over. Oh, wow. <laughs> he's like, uh, isn't he? He, yeah. was, he was perfect for his dad. But oh, he was hilarious like, on the show, he's too. Doing, he's got to be pushing 100 at this point. Uh, probably, but he's still the fall guy, so. Yes. He can do anything. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay, so in another 80s news, um, fans, hey, are there any fans of The Facts of Life? Were you a fan of The Facts of Life? I did love that show. And that theme song will get stuck in your head in a Ooh. heartbeat. Even before you said that, I heard it playing just mm-hmm. now. Yeah, that's true. So we have uh, a, a sort of reunion of the Facts of Life. It's uh, Kim Fields, who is starring in a, a TV movie, You Light Up My Christmas, which will premiere uh, December 1st on Lifetime, uh, invited her, her co-stars from the Facts of Life, including uh, Mindy Cohn, Nancy McKeon, uh, to join her. Uh, in this film. Now, it's not going to be, it's not going to be their Facts of Life characters. It's not related to the story of the show, but the Facts of Life stars are going to be starring in it together. But yeah, and that's how the seed gets planted. Right. Yeah. And then before you know it, there's a full-blown reunion. Right. If there's enough interest in, in yeah. folks. Because uh, that's what they do. They're like, we'll just, we won't say it's Facts of Life. Yeah. We'll get together. We'll do something. And then we'll let the, the machine start turning and people start asking for it. Yeah. You know, as much as I love Facts of Life, though, I don't know that I'd really care if they had a reunion show of any kind, you know? I, I guess it's going to depend on what they got in mind. You know, actually, that raises a question for me. Is there any 80s show where you'd really want to see any of the original 80s actors come back for a show that's set now, but they're, you know, 30 years older, et cetera? I can't, I have so many shows I loved, but I, I don't know that I would care to see those, unfortunately, now much older Actors, you know. Well, we just recently talked about Family Ties. If they did Nick and Mallory as the parents, yeah, I'd watch that. Hmm. Okay, I could see that. Maybe, yeah. See, I'd watch that. So, yeah, uh, yeah. I guess. And then now they're now their kids. Yeah, they get like one hippie and one Republican, right? And they're just stuck in the middle again between them. Man, you're good at this. I write these things like. Super if anybody's easy. listening to this <laughs> show. You know, you stand and make a lot of money if you just follow what Ray's advice. Between mm-hmm. that, I know you had to, oh, and that, the zombie Terminator one <laughs> from our Halloween episode, our horror I, movie episode. I haven't even got to my uh, Goonies part yeah. two yet. Oh, wow. Um, Which is something they've been struggling to get to make, I, supposedly. I've already, or, I've already wrote it for them. Yeah. Super easy. I'll have to, okay, do we not, do you want to? Uh, I could throw it out there. We got a couple minutes yet here on the yep. news. Um, basically, Mikey's character never left town. Okay. Neither did Mouth. So uh, Sloth finally kicks the bucket. Um, the other one, the fat kid. Uh, Chunk? Chunk. Chunk, he's been taking care of Sloth all this time. So when he passes away, they all come back for the funeral. Mm-hmm. But then the Fratellis get out too. Okay. And they all find another clue that there's some more One-Eyed Willie stuff going on. Hmm. So they come back as adults and go on the adventure. I see. And the Fratelli brothers come back yeah. and try to get the money because now they're broke and been in jail all this time. So in this version, uh, do the, the, our, the original Goonies at the Goondocks now have children that are somehow swept up into this? Nope. Or Okay. Their I like, children are all left out. I like that. Their because, children can be grown in adults and right, have their own lives. Because Brand will have kids, but they're back wherever he's living now. Yeah. And it's just the adults go on an adventure like kids again. Yeah. 
and it brings back that good time, nostalgic feeling. I think that would be great, especially because we're of that age now, too, and we would love to be able to go on. When you were, we were kids, you saw it, you thought, I need to find it. My friends and I tried to find treasure maps oh, yeah, on every time. old picture, <laughs> but we never did. But we, yeah. as kids, we want to do it. Yeah, well, I still, as adults, we have these fantasies of going on high adventure. And the other one that we have, this is actually an idea that came from a friend of mine, but then I expand, expanded upon it. What yep. the hell's that word? Yeah. Expanded? Expand or expanded? Expanded. Uh, yeah, where the Breakfast Club are now adults, mm-hmm. and they all end up at the same Comic-Con. Some are working there, some are guests, and the whole thing is just filmed at one Comic-Con, just mm. like the Breakfast Club was. So are they, wait, so is it the actors or? The, s- the same actors playing the same roles, okay. but they all end up at like San Diego Comic-Con. You get the, the sweet tie-in okay. with Comic-Con. But you've got all the characters. Huh. And so you're suggesting that maybe one of them is famous, so they're there as a guest yeah. signing autographs. One's a guest, one's, one's there. One's a fan of, their, of them. Yeah, one's a fan of someone else that uh-huh. just happens to be there also, and one's working hmm. there, and one brings his kids. And they're all just there for the day, hanging out just like they did, and they all just kind of get back together and hang out. So I wonder, you know, one of the things about the Breakfast Club that made it work, or one of the, you know, sort of, was that they were trapped. They're trapped yep. in a school for detention, so... Comic-Con obviously is a much bigger venue. They're not necessarily trapped. Maybe there's circumstances. Let's throw a a tornado in or a hurricane. (laughs) Whatever weather phenomenon. It has to be a mudslide and a forest fire. Whatever we need to to make this this thing get them trapped. Man, we have to sit down and start writing screenplays. (laughs) Why are we doing this podcast? There's real money to be made. (laughs) All right. Anything else for 80s news? Uh, The only other thing I got is uh, Don Johnson. Oh, yeah, right. The the Miami Vice reboot could actually happen. Um, and then when another, another time someone said, so, uh, when are you, are you guys already recording this thing? And he just grinned and said, maybe. All right. That sounds like a yes. Definitely not a no. I I think a new Miami Vice show is coming. Huh. So to your, you know, your earlier points about the adults taking over, et cetera, are we seeing, or do we want to see Don Johnson's character? Was he Crockett or Tubbs? Crockett? He's Crockett. Sonny Crockett. He's Sonny Crockett. Is he now the chief of police or, I mean. I don't know, but if he's wearing wicker shoes and a white suit. Um, yeah. In. Well, you know, it would be funny to have him do that and have, of course, the younger people, you know, sort of like, come on, guy, put a shirt on. No, nah, I, I think they all dress that way to impress him. But he him. hangs, okay. <laughs> I mean, great to see an older guy holding on to that white suit and a blue uh, t-shirt underneath it or that, whatever. That, that is true. That was. So, yeah, that's, that's 80s news, isn't it? All right, that could be it, sure. Dun, 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 dun. So before we continue, a brief show note, right? Yeah. Um, folks have probably noticed that if you go to YouTube now to try to find our show, which was just an audio podcast for a long time, uh, the last one is not there. I guess maybe the last one or maybe the last two. I think the last one okay. was not there because now we're doing video for YouTube. Right. So we learned that um, for lots of reasons, it's better to have video on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. For the obvious reasons, <laughs> that's where videos are. So we're moving to video, as you can see, because if you're, if you're watching this, you know that that's what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. If you're not watching it and you're listening in your, in your car or whatever, or on your phone, cool. If you want to see what we look like, you can head over to YouTube and actually watch that, where it's, it's a little, um, I don't want to say raw, because it sounds like we're going R-rated on the YouTube, <laughs> uh, but it's, uh, it's less, less filtered, less edited 
um, content, I guess, in a sense. Yeah, you get the behind-the-scenes stuff on YouTube now. So, <laughs> yeah. Just, um, but if you just want the audio, you need to go to these places that Will is going to tell you about now. Yeah, pretty much anywhere. So if you listen to Apple, which is a big one, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, we're everywhere. So if you go to any of those, whatever your pod, I think they're calling them Pod Catcher now or some gross. Sound well, you can actually like can't they just go to our uh, homepage and. You can go, go to our homepage and listen on the, on the uh, internet, which is theidiotspod.com. Or you can go to our Facebook page, and every week we post a link. And actually, which is cool now, you don't know this, the link I'm posting now is a smart link, where if you click on it, it takes you to, based on your phone or your computer, whatever platform is best suited. So obviously, you can't use Apple on a Google, on a Google phone or right. Android. It'll take you to um, whatever that other one, Spotify, for mm-hmm. example, or mm-hmm. something like that. In any case, okay, so that's so that's that. Um, so, all right, so let's talk about our topic today, which is... Uh, Today's topic is why Mike Tyson's life was the best in the 1980s. Mm. So, obviously, as a kid, uh, his parents died, <laughs> he grew up really poor, and then his stepfather died, and everybody right. was dead. So, <laughs> And that's, that covers the 60s and 70s. That right? covers basically the 60s and 70s. So we know those decades because, were not too small. Yeah, so those decades suck. He's on the street. He's in gangs. He's just a, you know struggling to figure out where he fits in society. And then in 1980, when the decade turns, everything gets better for Mike Tyson. He's in a boy's home. Yeah, that's a, now that's, not, that's a bad term, right? Because how does he... A bad turn, rather, because he winds up in the boys' home for what assault or something. That's how he winds up. I think it's because he has no parents. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember here. I think I, mean, I found something. Oh, I see. He was arrested at 13 years old for mischief and theft, and was subsequent subsequently attended the try-on school for boys for uh, a reformatory in Johnstown, New York. So I think it was maybe related to also his his criminal, criminal behavior. Activity, yeah, <laughs> but uh, the guy who runs the place is a boxer, so he starts monkeying around, training him a little bit, and then he goes to Customato and says, this kid's really good, you should take him in. And Cuss at that time was taking in kids into his nice home in the Catskills and training them boxing. So the guy takes him there and uh, they start fighting and he's just beating the crap out of Tyson who's like 14 years old at the time. D'Amato is no, sparring? No, D'Amato's watching. Okay. D'Amato's like 150 years old at this point. But um, <laughs> right. So the guy's just beating Tyson you know, after two rounds, Cus goes, all right, I've seen enough. And Tyson goes, no, we have to go three rounds. That's hmm. how this works. So he goes, this kid is someday is going to be champion. Because hmm. of the heart he just showed in these sparring can, well, matches. If you watch how hard Tyson hits, I mean, it probably was pretty obvious. Yeah. The guy's an animal. So he takes him in, starts training him in 1980. So the 80 starts off good for him. Very good. And is, is Tyson still in the reformatory school at this point? Is he going back and forth? Well, no. Now he's just living with his trainer. He's, so, he's now his legal guardian. Wow. So, okay. So he gets him released from the school into his custody. Yep. And becomes somewhat of a father and, figure to him. Yeah, exactly. And that's how the 80s worked back then. You just you I want to, this kid. Yeah, I want this kid. Let me have him. Now it's so hard to even just adopt a kid. <laughs> back then, if you could show they had a skill and yeah. you could train them, you could just take them. Yeah. I don't know if it was ever legal or anything, but he just <laughs> took him. So he's training in the box, all right? So I guess since his parents had passed away, no one was looking for him. Yeah. Who's going to look for this kid at this point? So as an amateur, they set him up with a string of bombs. So, okay. so he would just annihilate them. But they didn't really need to do that because he was so good. What well, so, was there a strategy there to build up his experience, his confidence, the, yeah, his record? Well, the strategy was to get him a great record so he could start his professional career 
with this great background of knockouts and highlight reels and everything, and it worked because he was destroying people. Yeah. So, so when he, I know that I saw that he had what it was like thirteen and zero when he before he uh, went pro. Yeah, he turned uh, pro at eighteen, and had. But but it might have been those fights that you're talking about then, huh? So, well, yeah, they're all yeah. His first fights were all won by uh, knockout. Yeah, I thought I saw it here somewhere, but okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 that's fine. I mean, you are on the show too. If there's anything you want to say, <laughs> well, you know what I like about this episode, like some other ones we, we've done. You know a lot about this. I know very small about it. I know who Mike Tyson is, and I know he had a face tattoo at some point, and he got. Well, that was actually something I wanted to bring up at this point. Most people now, yeah. when you say the name Mike Tyson, mm-hmm. they don't think of him as a boxer first. Right. They think of the face tattoo, mm-hmm. and that's and the Hangover. I say Hangover, a tiger. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what they remember because he did own a tiger in the eighties. Yeah, and that's why it's in the, you know, the movie is trying to be funny, but he's a lot more than just a face tattoo in the eighties. <clears throat> so, so listen up, kids. Listen up to the tragic tale of Mike Tyson, which doesn't get tragic again <laughs> until the end of the eighties. <laughs> so, um, uh, November twenty second, nineteen eighty six. Okay. This is when he steps into the ring with uh, Trevor Burbick. Right. And before this fight even starts, and Trevor is not a schlub, man. This is a professional fighter with a bunch of knockouts, like 30-something wins, 30 by knockout or whatever. He's an animal, too. And he's like a foot and a half taller than Tyson. Now, you know, his reach is like four foot longer. So do we know if... I'm embellishing a little bit on that part. But, <laughs> but uh, the four feet? <laughs> yeah. Is he... Is Tyson... Do you know uh, what sense folks had for Tyson's um, likelihood to win or lose? At this point, the entire world is behind Tyson. Okay. The announcers are behind him. The crowd is in a frothy, just rage. I mean, it's just... They're screaming his name. He's the challenger in this fight. Burbick is the champion. So is he popular and are folks rooting for him just because it's like a Rocky story at this point? It is. Or? Uh, and, and that's going to come back around at the end okay. of this, too. So everyone, you root for the little guy. You know, yep. he comes out of nowhere. He's just, you know, come from nowhere story. So you can just tell, though, he's coming down. And he always had that little bob thing he did when yep. he would move. He even does it come down towards the ring. So, and Burbick is in the ring with when Tyson and him are in there, and you can just tell him look on his face. He's like, I don't think I can win this fight. <laughs> and this is the champion. Huh. And the announcers are basically just like, yeah, we should just cancel this fight and give it to Tyson because this thing's over before it begins. And, hmm. and then he does. He goes in and just beats the crap out of him. And like Tyson's got three great punches. He's got an uppercut that just kills you. I mean, literally, I don't know how guys get up from it. Mm-hmm. And he's got this amazing left hook that when he hits you, like Trevor found out, he knocks you down three times with it. You <laughs> literally fall down three times from this one punch. And then he also has on his um, haymaker, you know, the big yeah. hooks, the elbows, because he throws such a tight punch, the elbow catches people in the side of the face, and that's got to hurt like crazy, And that's too. not a legal move. It's just, it's an accident. Hey, it's so, physics. I it's an accident. through with yeah. my punch. You know, my elbow comes around because I missed the punch, and, you know, it is what it is. Man. So you got those three things going for him. So he starts on this tremendous run where HBO starts doing the pay-per-view specials like we were talking about before the show started. 
um, which we were unable to find the numbers. Yeah, I found some numbers for later performances, but I guess folks in the very least should know that pay-per-view wasn't huge yet. And even at the time, I, I, I recall, and I wish I had more information, but this is to idiots. Uh, to support the idea that I, I recall, I, I watched boxing with my dad because he was a fan, you know, throughout my childhood. Um, I recall boxing sort of having a lull and, uh, you know, uh, uh, audience grab uh, at that point in the 80s before Tyson came on. And then Tyson, with, you know, the help of Don, Don uh, King, ushering in this, you know, new phase yeah, uh, the of excitement. Yeah. yeah, So, yeah, you're right. As far as pay-per-view goes, we don't have numbers for that, that particular fight. We have uh, some info for a later fight for him, but... Um, uh, so yeah, it was the beginning of, of pay-per-view, what it could be. So yeah, and at this point, um, Tyson is such a huge character now that uh, Nintendo, when they bring Punch out to home gaming right. on November 21st, 1987, it became Mike Tyson's Punch Out. Yeah, and Pi- Punch Out was already huge in the arcades. I mean, it was one of yes. the first games, not maybe one of the first games, but definitely a game I remember playing mm-hmm. in the candy stores and the liquor stores or wherever they, they had it. Um, <laughs> the liquor store. <laughs> I guess that wasn't frequenting a liquor store. Yeah, I wonder why I think yeah. liquor store. Um, but but um, so what they did was they just put him in the game. Who was the, do you remember who, you know, one of our friends who remember this off the top of their head, who was the big bad in Punch Out before it became Tyson? I don't remember. Um, but in any, I can't remember his name either. But when you say the thing about um, Tyson's uppercut, you know, it reminds me of that character in Punch Out who does that, uh, maybe it's Tyson now in the Punch Out where he goes down real low and then fires up at some oh, point. Oh, yeah, Tyson, Tyson in that game is just a complete bob, 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 uppercut, yeah. uppercut, you're yeah. done. I don't think I ever beat him in the game. Yeah. So they took a game that was already huge, and and made it even bigger by yep. the, adding him. Yeah, and adding, and that was in '87, so he wasn't even like on his gigantic run yet. Yeah. So then he goes on to unify all three heavyweight belts. Right. And he's still in his early 20s at this point. Right. I mean, he's fighting guys in their 30s. Yeah. They're full grown adults. They have mustaches <laughs> and beards. I mean, it's like fighting your teacher. Yeah. You don't want to do that, but he goes in there and just devastates people. When you when you said about Burbick. Um, you know, everybody thinking, hey, Tyson's got this already. Was it because the fight was so mismatched? And, you know, I'm thinking about Don King later on, and maybe you know this or don't know this. <clears throat> My recollection of Don King and some of these fights, like with the with the amateur fights you were talking about, set him up against people that he would knock out within the first round because of the spectacle it created. Was Burbick already that type of contender where, you know, it was mismatched? Well, uh, no, well, Don King wasn't involved yet. Right, that's why. So yep. Burbick was the champion. Okay. He was right, a legitimate right. giant figure. But when you watch the amateur fights of Tyson, it's like taking a, a grizzly bear and putting them in there with a, a kindergartner. Right. It's just, he just comes out like an animal and just his punches are so tight and powerful that people are actually, like I said, I, I can't believe he didn't kill anybody. I mean, that's how hard he hit people. When people fall down that are professional boxers and can't get yeah. up, I mean, if we get hit by him, we're not getting <laughs> up. Yeah, do you remember, what was it always that, uh, I think it was just a joke, right? Would you take a million dollars to get punched by Mike Tyson? <laughs> because essentially, you know, everybody who got it went against him was like, well, you know, give me the $20 million and let him, <laughs> yeah. let him rearrange my, my brain. Would, would you have done that? A million dollars oh, just course. to get punched by him? <laughs> of course I would. But I, would, I think I, being a frail, <laughs> a frail, <laughs> gentle stature, I think he would kill me. I think he would just be dead. Yeah, I might have some brain damage, <laughs> but with all that money, people would just ignore it. So 
Yeah, I see. <laughs> I guess with that money, you can get the health care you necessary. You need. I, I, I don't know. So I, I took. I derailed you a bit. So you're talking about no, now. So now punch out happens. He starts getting this momentum. He, he reunites. He unites. He the, yes. The, the he three. unites the three belts of the heavyweight division, which sounds like a like a professional wrestling thing almost. You know. Well, that's idea. that's the kind of concept or the idea that we're dealing with here of what a, what a huge character he is is he's doing things that aren't supposed to be done. Yeah, you are not supposed to be able to unite all three belts mm. because you have to beat three legitimate boxers to do that. Yeah, and you have to defend those titles to keep them. Now, to be able to, to compete in those, and again, so we're talking about okay, because you know, again, I don't have to say this anymore. I don't know very much about sports, even though I watch sports from here, here now and then. Three heavyweight belts, is that it? Because you're talking Correct. like intercontinental, yeah, we're talking um, U.S. Uh, I wrote it down somewhere, but okay. it's like the WBC. And okay, the, so it's not different divisions. It's different uh, it, it's, organizations. It, compared to wrestling, yes. It's like uh, WCW, ECW, and, okay. and WWF. Gotcha. If one person went and fought in every TV show right. and had all three belts. Right, okay. That's what it's, it would be compared to. Or if... Uh, if you played in the NFL, the Canadian Football League, <laughs> that and, sounds awesome. And Europe, and you were the champion yeah. of all three leagues. It's kind of like that. That's a challenge for you, Tom Brady. You think you're so hot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go, go win in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so he does. He, he's got the belts. He's got the momentum. He's got the the world. Yeah, by the balls. I mean, basically, he has everything he wants. He's making money hand over fist. But the problem was before he became champion, because the model died. The year before. So it left him with no father figure. And eventually Don King comes into the picture. So, and you see, you mean champion in 86. So he cut D'Amato died in 85. Yep. Oh, wow. I remember that happening much later. Yeah. It, he died before he became champion. And then, because you're thinking of Rocky again. So it's oh. a, kind of the similar story. <laughs> so Don King swoops in. Ah, right. So there's a vacuum there for a father figure. Right. Gets the, the new father figure. And eventually, as we start moseying through the 80s, you know, life's good. He's making a lot of money. He's got a tiger now, which everyone knows from the hangover. But at that point, the tiger was little. It was cute. <laughs> it was a cub. He was walking around on a leash. He had beautiful cars. And then uh, he marries Robin Gibbons in 88. Right. And this is where the decline starts. As the 80s magic starts to wear off towards the end of the oh, decade, no. it also starts to wear off for Tyson. But he's still Mike Tyson, so... He loses like, you know, over $100 million to her in the divorce in 89, which you'd think would be horrible, right? You would think. How long were they married for? Oh, like a year. It was like six months when she divorced him. And it was over some terrible circumstances. I mean, the accusations. She was saying stuff about domestic violence and all that, and he's an idiot, blah, 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 blah. But she takes over $100 million from him. But what he doesn't realize is that Don King took his other hundred and something million dollars. Oh, right. So now he's like, yeah, got to keep fighting, got to keep fighting, so... So as the decade ends, we come upon 1990. Hmm. So he has now spent the entire 80s yep. as champion, right? basically. He's a killing machine in the 80s. 1990 comes. <laughs> and this Jamaican feller named Buster Douglas, him and Tyson head to Tokyo. They're going to hook up. They're going to fight for the championship. And at this point, Tyson has gotten lazy. Now, Five miles he would run is now two. He's just not training like he was. He'd be up at 3 a.m. doing speed bags. Yeah, got all the money in the world, he, th- he thinks. Right. And his not around to he drive him. Yeah, there's no one pushing him anymore. He has 
he's on his own. He's doing whatever he wants. So, so they get to Tokyo. Buster Douglas gets off the plane in Tokyo, and they say, how long are you going to be here? And he says, I'm thinking one to two rounds, hmm. and then I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> he just assumes Tyson's going to just destroy him. Yeah. And um, like two months before this, Buster Douglas' mother died. Hmm. So now you're fighting someone who has personal loss, and here's where the, the Rocky Three part starts. You have the character of Mike Tyson now who has all the money, not training properly, just living the lifestyle, and you have Buster Douglas who's coming in. Like when it's just like in the movie. When Tyson's in the ring train you know, he's doing his his warm ups and stuff, there's like eight thousand people there watching him. Right. And the media's there. And then um Buster Douglas, the same ring, Tyson leaves, he comes out, only three reporters stay to watch him warm Hmm. up in the ring and obviously he goes out and if you watch this fight you can tell tyson doesn't even want to win this fight Hmm. his hands aren't up he's not even throwing punches at one point why would he want to lose i think he was just done Hmm. i think he would you know he spent his whole life fighting and i think it just he got burnt and then he just if you watch the fight he's not even throwing punches at one point and he he made several million dollars just for showing up so i'm sure it was more than several so tens of millions but you can tell even in the corner when he's talking to his people and they're saying you got to get your hands up you got to throw punches and he's going nah i don't think so he's literally saying i i think i'm Hmm. just i'm gonna go out there and this guy's gonna finish me off and i don't think i'm gonna do anything about it so and that's when the tyson rain 1990 starts to slide down the hill we sliding towards the hangover and face tattoos. Sliding towards a rape conviction. Oh boy, which is even worse than being uh, made fun of in the hangover and that. But, but as you say, that didn't happen in the eighties. Yes, <laughs> Un- luckily for us and our show, this happened in the nineties. So uh, once again, now now he's broke. He has to box against his will because now he owes the IRS like I don't even know how many millions of dollars. Oh. Because he's been screwed out of all his money, taken in divorces, cheated out of it, and even uh, Punch-Out eventually took him out of the game. And now he has to literally put on boxing exhibitions to pay his debt and get face tattoos to stay in the media so that he can do that. So what I've determined is, is if you're Mike Tyson, your life was way better in the 80s. Yeah, it's hard to argue with that. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, so we're coming up on time here. Yep. Um, so thank you, I guess. Oh, my pleasure. Yeah, so uh, now, I, now I want to play Punch-Out and see if we can't take out the champ. I think we might have to do that in an upcoming episode and see if we can beat him. All right. So then we'll talk to you next time on The 80th. See you. See you.